Father, we come to you today and we do seek you. We just want to reconnect. We just want to get in that closeness with you again. Because we know it's there that we find not only our strength and our hope, but it's there that we find forgiveness and acceptance and grace. So Lord, come and, and be in this room. Extend your reach into our hearts and our minds this morning. And help this to be your time of working on us and shaping us and helping us to get pruned according to the gardener's will. Be with us in this room. That when it's all done, not only will your name have been glorified, but we will be empowered to bear fruit. What you choose. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Go and have a seat this morning. It is a big question, so uh, so what are we here for? What, what, what are we doing here? And uh, today, as we get into one of those I am sayings of Jesus, um, I think you'll see he gives us a, uh, a question parallel to that, you know, of, of really, so, so what is our life really uh, about? It comes as we look at this uh, I am statement from the Gospel of John, uh, and uh, the 15th chapter, so if you got your Bibles, you can get to John 15. We're going to spend a whole lot of time just right there today. Um, but it is uh, Jesus making that incredible statement that says, I am the true vine, right? I did some vine research in getting ready for today, and I discovered the Guinness Book of World Records is uh, vine is called the Great Vine, and the Great Grape Vine is uh, in, uh, in England. And it's the Guinness Book of World Records for being the oldest and longest uh, grapevine. So there is the trunk. So that's the trunk of this grapevine, okay? And the longest vine from that trunk goes 120 feet. 
Sound impressive? I don't know. It was for the Guinness Book of World Records, I guess, 120 feet. Uh, and it's also like this grapevine is also like 230 years, uh, 230 years old. And the circumference of the trunk there of those vines is like 12 feet. Uh, bottom line is this is one big honking grapevine, okay? That's what they're saying here. Guinness Book of World Records, big honking grapevine, okay? Uh, well, the good news for us today as we, as we turn into John 15 is Jesus uses uh, this image of the grapevine uh, when he makes that simple statement, I am the true grapevine. Now, what's fascinating about his statement there is notice he doesn't just say, listen, I'm a grapevine. He says, I am a true grapevine. You see that? I am a true grapevine. So the assumption is that if he's willing to say, well, I am a true grapevine, it means that in the world there must be false grapevines, right? So if he's making a statement, now listen, I want you to understand this. I am the true grapevine. It means that he equally understands that out there in the world, there are a lot of false grapevines. And there are. There are a lot of false grapevines. There are are a lot of things working out there in the world that are trying to convince us that we should connect with this and that our lives ought to be all about this, that our lives and our time and our energy ought to be spent toward this. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's a lot of false grapevines, but I'm the only one that is really the true grapevine. And the bottom line question is, as he makes the statement, and as you listen to the statement, it puts us in the position of asking a difficult question. The difficult question is uh, really, so what are you living your life for? What are you living your life for? What is your life all about? See, now you get to that question when you understand the context in which Jesus speaks this statement. So here's what's happened so far in the Gospel of John, right? I mean, a whole lot before it, but right before John 15, here's what's happened. Jesus has been at table with his disciples in the upper room, and they have celebrated the Lord's Supper, right? They've had that last meal together. And in that last meal, Jesus has made it very clear what's going to happen next. He's already shared with them, listen, there's going to be difficulty. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be killed. And three days later, I'm going to rise again. Uh, You are going to be scattered. Some of you are going to deny me. He has made it very clear that difficulty is right out in front of them, right? Now, if you think about what he's saying and what this means to the disciples, not, not him, I mean, it means a lot to him, but think about, put yourself in the position of these disciples. Because the other truth that's taking place in John 15 is one of the disciples, Judas, has already decided that his life is not going to be about Jesus. He's already decided that there is something more valuable, something more important for him to do with his life than to follow Jesus. And so he has already left the twelve. He has already gone to betray Jesus. And now Jesus and the others have left the upper the room. They're making their way toward Gethsemane. And as they're walking along, making their way towards Gethsemane, 
Jesus says, I am the true vine. Why is this important? Well, Judas has made his choice. The direction his life's going to take. The other 11? The other 11 are soon going to be in the position where they have to ask the same question. So what is my life about now? Because Jesus is going to be arrested and crucified and ripped out of their life. The, the master that has been guiding their life so intimately for so long is now soon to be ripped away from their life. And they're going to be in a position of persecution and difficulty. And they're going to have to look at their life and they're going to have to answer the question, What, 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 do, I do, what do I do now? How, how do I spend my life now? What, 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 what is left? Where do I go with my life now? And they're going to have to ask the question to wrestle and say, you know, maybe I should just go back to fishing. Maybe I should just go back and, and, and be a tax collector again. After all, it was, a, it was a pretty good wage. They're going to have to ask the question and say, what is my life going to be all about from this moment forward? And before they ask the question, Jesus has to say to them, remember this, I am the true vine. You see, there's a lot of false vines out there. There's a lot of ways you can spend your life. There's a lot of things you can do with your time. There's a lot of things you can do with your energy. There's a lot of things you can do with your finances. There's a lot of ways that you can spend your life. But Jesus is saying today, listen, there is only one way that has eternal value. There's only one way that has eternal significance. I am the true vine. There is only one way that really leads to living an incredible life. If you look at 1 John 5, 1 John 5 kind of lays it out pretty, pretty clear for us. 1 John 5 says, and this is what God has testified. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Where does life reside? In his Son. I am the true vine. 12. Whoever has the Son has what? Life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. There is a true vine, and there's a lot of false opportunities to spend your life. How are you going to spend your life? Jesus offers us the opportunity to understand that if we want to live life, if we want to live a significant life, if we want our life to stand for something, if we want our life to really have meaning and purpose and intention, if we want our lives to be impactful, then we will understand the only source that we can get to have that kind of life is when we connect our lives to Jesus Christ. And if you're not connected to Christ, then you have distanced yourself from the possibility of living the kind of life you could live. If you look at uh, John 15 again, Jesus follows right away his statement about himself with the statement of what he's willing to do to give you the opportunity to live the significant life he wants. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. This is a two-for-one deal. 
How many like buy one, get one free? Good stuff, right? Yeah, I love those. Buy one, get one free. Oh, yeah. Sure. Good stuff. Well, it's kind of a buy one, get one free, right? He's saying, listen, I am the true vine. And coming along with that now, you got to understand, coming along with attaching to me, when you give your life to me and you get connected with me, you're going to have the father of the universe working on your behalf. I mean, that's what a gardener does, right? I mean, a gardener works day in and day out on behalf of making sure the branches in the vine have the possibility of producing fruit. Isn't that what a gardener does? Now, this is an important thing to not miss in the text. You ready? It's an important thing not to miss. The gardener's goal in your life is not to make you happy. We get this wrong if we think that way. The gardener's goal in your life is not to make sure you just have a happy life. The gardener's goal is to put your life in the best position possible so that you can bear the most fruit possible. The gardener is all about the fruit. And he does whatever he needs to do in order to get the vine and the branches in a place where they can bear the most fruit. This is another picture of that great vine in, uh, in England. Remember I showed you that big honking stump, right? This is, this is part of the vine. What you need to understand is this is only one view. There, there's a whole nother roof space to the left here that is covered with vines. And there's even more vines further back in the picture, further our way in the picture. So this is only one slice of this incredible great vine uh, over in England, right? Is that, that is pretty darn impressive, isn't it? Pretty darn impressive. Can you imagine how much time and energy it takes the gardener to care for this vine? That's a lot of work. But I would guess the gardener does it willingly. Jesus is saying that's what God is prepared to do for you. He, he's the true vine. You don't have to attach yourself to all this false stuff. He is the absolute true vine. And, and there is a gardener who is willing to invest and do whatever it takes in your life so that your life can produce the most fruit possible. So your life can be as impactful as it can possibly be. So your life can be as full as it can possibly be. There is a vine and there is a gardener. And Jesus will even define what the gardener does for us. If you go over to uh, this place, never been there, but they tell me there's this sign there about the great vine. And it tells you what the, what the gardener, one of the things the gardener does there, right? It says, the roots of the vine extend beneath this area. It is kept unplanted in order to prevent other plants from competing for moisture and nutrients. What is this gardener doing? He's making sure there's no competition for this vine. Isn't that right? He's making sure nobody's going to plant some other stuff in here some night. He's making sure that there's not going to be any weeds growing up here. He's making sure there's nothing that's going to get in the way of these, this vine and these branches getting absolutely every nutrient and opportunity they need in order to mature and become the best grape-producing vine they can possibly be. He is pruning the competition. That's what the gardener does. Jesus says it this way. The gardener does two things for us in our lives. You ready? First, it says he cuts off. Say cuts off. Thank you. You're awake. He cuts off 
every branch of mine and doesn't produce that doesn't produce fruit. And two, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Now, a few things notice in these words in the verse two. Notice up there. He says he cuts off every branch of whose mine. So we're talking about people that are already connected to the vine. We're, we're not talking about non-believers here. Right. So if you haven't given your life to Christ yet, hang with me. But this one's not talking about you. This one's talking about folks that are already saying, yeah, I'm I, I want to be connected to Christ. I want to be connected to Christ. The trouble is that there's folks who want to be connected to Christ, but they don't want to give up. I mean, they want to be connected to Christ, but they don't want to give up all the competition. They, they want to be connected to Christ, but they don't really want to go all the way of what it means to be sold out and connected to the vine. Jesus says one of the roles of the gardener is to just convince you and convict you. You just need to cut some stuff out. What's the truth? Some of you need to cut some stuff out of your life. You're just being pulled in too many directions. You're just giving yourself to too many false vines out there. You're spending too much time and too much energy and stuff that is just not fruit producing stuff. And you just need to you need to cut it out of your life. You need to let God convict you today and just cut it out of your life. For instance, folks come to me and they say, oh, pastor, man, I am so busy. I, I just don't have time. Key phrase. I just don't have time to be in a small group or a Bible study. Don't tell me that. You got time. You got the time. I mean, really, you got the time, right? The trouble is, you're not cutting other stuff out so that you can use your time in a way that's going to feed you, encourage you, and strengthen you to be the most incredible person in the vine you can possibly be. You got the time. The, the challenge is, you need to be convicted that there's things in your life you got to just cut out. Don't, don't tell me you can't be an incredible father, Dad, because you got to work too hard. You can be an incredible father. You just got to set some boundaries. You got to cut some stuff out. You got to carve out and make a priority that says, listen, I'm connected to the vine and I know God wants me to bear fruit in my kids' lives and I just got to make that a priority and I got to let God just identify some things and cut it out. I just got to cut it out. You remember your parents ever telling you that phrase? Would you just cut it out? Am I the only one that heard that growing up? Why did they tell me that? Because they wanted the best for me. Or I was just annoying the heck out of them, right? But they were always right, or at least usually right. <laughs> just cut it out. Well, you know what? The truth is, we may like to face it, but the truth is, there's some stuff in our life we just got to let God convict us of and cut it out. Just cut it out. Second thing the gardener does is that he prunes us. He not only offers us the opportunity to cut things out, but he also prunes us. Now, why is all this important? If you go to Hebrews 6, it gives us kind of a bottom line picture. It says, but if a field bears thorns and thistle, it is what? Useless. The farmer will soon condemn that field and burn it. How many folks in the room want to live a useless life? Good. I'm glad you're here. Got one. No. 
I mean, really, you want to live a useless life? No, the reality is, if, if we don't cut these things, if we don't let God convict us, and, and we keep living these things that are false vines, our lives are going to get further away from the true vine, and our lives become useless. They, they just don't bear the fruit that they could bear. They become useless. Jesus said in John 15, Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Right? That's the risk we have if we don't listen to the gardener and let him just convict us about cutting some stuff out, that our lives really do become useless. So we've got to cut some stuff out. And then we've got to let him prune us. How does he prune us? Well, one of the ways God prunes our lives is by just the experiences and the circumstances that we walk through in life. And some of the greatest places that he prunes us is in the places of difficulty, the places of great challenge. When we have great challenge, God is working in those experiences like a tender gardener to prune us. If you look at Hebrews 12, it says, As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. But God's disciples, this discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Does he get it? It's not pleasant. It's not something we want to sign up for necessarily, but it's necessary for our life. And so God uses those challenging places in our life to help us not only cut some things out, but just to prune us, to build our character, to build our devotion, to get our priorities back in place, to remind us really what's important. He says in verse 3, You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So verse 3 there, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. That means, okay, you've already cut out the old stuff, you already cut out the old life, and you're living a new life now. But in that new life, there are times that you're going to fail and you're going to become useless because you get back into those false vines. I'm going to visually illustrate for you, right? So I found this, this wonderful stick, and as you can see, this stick is uh, basically useless except for firewood, right? It's basically useless except for uh, firewood. Why is it useless? Well, because it's no longer connected, right? It, it can't do what it was created to do, and that is to bear fruit. It can't do that because it's just not connected. Now, i got good news for you. Some of you feel like your life is right here today. It's just feeling useless. You don't have to feel that way. You don't have to live that way. That's why Jesus said, I am the true vine. He's saying there's another way to live. There's another opportunity. And your life can absolutely change and become an incredible, impactful life. If you just cut out the old life and let the gardener get working in your life. And let him start pruning you up and training you up and bringing you into that life that he created for you and designed for you. That second part there is remain in me and I'll remain in you. 
for a branch can't produce fruit, right? So how do the question, how do we remain in him? For us that are that are connected, how do we stay there, right? How do we remain there? He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and I'll grant it to you. Notice the formula in the beginning there. Did you get the formula? If you remain in me, what happens? And my words remain in you, do you get the formula? So you got to remain in me. How are you going to remain in him? Well, his word has to remain where? In you. This is the way it works. You're going to remain in him as his word remains in you. This happens to me all the time, right? Here's what happens all the time. I'll be going through my day. I'll have, you know, read my scripture for, for the day. Uh, and I'll be going through the day and some temptation will come up uh, throughout the day. Yes, I experience temptation. Okay, uh, so I'm going through the day and, and something will come up, right? And, and some temptation. And I cannot tell you and describe to you the account the number of times that this temptation has come up and it relates directly to the word I just read that morning or the day before or the week before. Are, are you with me on that? I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that something's come up in my life that it would be so easy to do, you know, what's inappropriate to the gospel. Be so easy to do it. Nobody would know it. Be so easy to pull it off. But inevitably, there's this word that has just been spoken into my life. And so I don't do it. Why? Because I've remained in the word. And when I remain in the word, I remain in him. This is the formula. This is it. So if you answer the question and you say, listen, I want to live that kind of life. I want to live an impactful life. I want my life to stand for something and mean something. Then you've got to get serious about getting in the word. Psalm 1 says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never, never wither and they prosper in all they do. This is a good picture, is it not? Let me give you another good picture right there. There is the person harvesting grapes from that grape vine over there in England I showed you. And on average, on average, in an average season, this vine produces 600 pounds of grapes. Does that sound like a lot? That sounds like a lot to me, I'm telling you. 600 pounds of grapes from one vine. That is an incredible fruit-producing vine. And the challenge for us and the good news for us is this is what God the gardener is prepared to do in your life. That's what he is absolutely prepared to do. It's not a question of whether he can or whether he can't. He can and he will. He can and he will. You look at what Jesus says. Yes, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who reign in me and I in them, what? Will produce a little bit of fruit. No, they will produce what? Much fruit. You want your life to be incredible, folks? You want your kids' lives to be incredible? You want your life to be impactful and meaningful? Then you got to take seriously the statement Jesus makes. Listen, there's a lot of false vines that want you to trust them, believe in them, and give your life and your time and your journey to them. And Jesus says, listen, I am the true vine. It's when you get your life connected with Christ that fruit takes place. Now, let me quick add one thing 
This applies, by the way, not only to us as individuals, as, as individual people, but Christ Church people, covenant members, regular attenders, this applies to us as a church. Everything I've shared with you this morning, these same principles, this applies to us as a church. We have a gardener, and that gardener expects Christ's church to produce fruit. And he's going to cut some stuff out of us. And he's going to prune us sometimes and through some difficult things and how we work through things together. But the truth is, his goal is to make sure Christ's church keeps bearing fruit. And guess what? If we don't, we become useless. And I'll tell you what, sad news. There's a lot of useless churches out there. Because all they do is they get together and they sing Kumbaya. That's not what we're here for. That's not what the church is here for. The church is here to be connected to the vine, to be solidly orthodox in, in the word. And the expectation is that we will surrender absolutely everything to make sure we bear fruit. And the good news, I can tell you, it is happening at Christ Church. You, you may not know all the experiences or, or have all the conversation with people, but listen, I can tell you from my perspective and what comes to my, to my desk and my ears and folks in my office, lives are getting changed at Christ Church. They're getting changed at Christ Church. We, we've got people who've cut alcohol out of their life. We've got people who've given up extramarital affairs and cut it out of their life. We've got marriages that were on the road to divorce, and they're now recovered, and they're healing, and they're growing and producing fruit. We've got kids and young kids who've stood up for the gospel in schools and said, I'm not giving in to all the temptations and all the false vines out there. I'm telling you, good things, fruit is being born here at Christ Church because lives are being changed.